Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And let's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a long psalm. Let's go to that section that starts with verse uh, 89. And that's really the, the key verse we'll be looking at uh, this evening. It starts out with uh, two words that when you put them together are quite astounding. The two words are, as you see there, Psalm 119, verse 89, forever, forever. And the sense of those two words isn't just forever in the future, it's forever, ever. Like, you know, eternity past, eternity future, and right now. Uh, and when you start to contemplate what you can say truly is forever, that's a pretty short list, isn't it? I mean, people might have ideas of what they think is going to last forever, you know. There's, there's a lot of weird mysticism out there. Um, but according to God's Word, you know, there's only less than a handful of things that last forever. And, of course, one of the reasons why we're so invested, you know, along with God's heart uh, in, in reaching people with the gospel of, of Jesus Christ is because people's souls will last forever. And that's a sobering thought right there. But here's another thing it says in verse 89 here. Forever, O Lord, what's the next two words? Thy word. Thy word, O Lord. Thy word. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So God's word is a settled thing. Eternity past, now, and forever. Uh, God's word is settled. It's forever and it's settled. Um, you know, there's no discussion to have to be added to it. If it's God's word, like the Bible say, you know, it says it's yay and amen. It, it's true and we can, we can agree on that forever um, because it is settled. And it is a wonderful thing to be able to be in agreement. The greatest unifier that there is amongst mankind is the Word of God. The Word of God applied is, is the great unifier because there's nothing greater to rally around than established and settled truth. Settled truth. Um, we try, you know, and, and I believe that the most frequent preachers at our church, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable saying, that our resolve is to stick with what the Bible is clearly saying. And when there's, when there's a... When there's, when there's discussion or discrepancy as to what the interpretation may be, to go by what is the clearest, most obvious interpretation. <laughs> Did you go on a mission there, Brother, Brother Johnny? Where was it? It was? I thought for sure I brought it down. Who took that back out to my office? 
<laughs> Thank you, Brother Johnny. <laughs> you must have taken the scenic route to get there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sandy Tuttle. Oh, communion. There's communion this coming Sunday. And I think that was pretty much, uh, we, we had it covered, so. All right. All right. Um, to go with what the most obvious interpretation of the Scripture is within context and also comparing Scripture to Scripture. Those are the, the, the study rules, really, of, of Scripture. What is the Bible saying? If you were to just read that within the context, what do you believe that's saying? And, 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 and does it agree with other Scripture? Scripture being its own best commentary. And that's where the authority lies. If we're going to have you know, a church that really feeds people over the long haul, it has to be based upon the authority of God's Word. And if, if application is being made, you know, given the sense thereof, and also, you know, seeking to make it practical in application, I mean, application is not inspired unless it's directly in the, 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 in the Scriptures. And in preaching, you know, many times we do bring to bear application, ways that we can apply that, Right? And, uh, and that's not, the, the, the application isn't necessarily settled in heaven unless it's right from the Bible. So, which I try to make it clear, you know, when I'm, when I'm preaching, oh, this is what God's Word says. It's, we can agree on that. I mean, that's obvious. It's obvious what it's saying. Here's some possible ways that we can apply that, right? Some potential ways. I don't always put it in those terms, but I think we, we can get that, we can get that sense when someone's, when someone's preaching, Right? And, uh, and if the application is like, you know, like that was way off the wall there, I don't even, you know, and it wasn't in the Bible, we'll just, you know, disregard it then. <laughs> That's not something that's settled in heaven. What the application was based on, you know, that, that, that clear truth in God's word, that's settled. That's settled. And then we have to, you know, walk individually in the spirit, according to the will that God has given us, to, to make application there. Um, and so, some things that are not settled in heaven. And sometimes, you know, you can look at say, and say, well, at least you can say this. You can say things that this verse is not saying are settled in heaven. Um, Colossians 2.8 was one verse that I thought of, amongst others. I'm just going to use that one tonight. And this is actually going to um, kind of dovetail into a message for next Sunday night. Is winding down, heading into the new year. We'll start another book of the Bible to study on Sunday nights. But I just wanted, God had led me to, to give some encouragement um, um, teaching on the family, because that is a great topic in the Bible. Uh, but Colossians 2.8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. Now, how are we going to know what a man's philosophies are? They're going to speak them. They're going to articulate them, right? We're not going to know what their, their philosophies are just you know, rattling around in their minds unless they're verbalized in some way, shape, or form. Okay? And so, as we saw in our text, it says, Forever, O Lord, or Lord, or Lord thy word is settled in heaven. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. So man's philosophies are not settled in heaven. 
In other words, those aren't foregone, for, you know, they're not, they're not settled truths. Eternity, past, now, and, and forever. So beware, another way of saying that is be careful that you don't treat man's philosophies as if they're settled in heaven. Always test them by that which is settled in heaven. Does that make sense? All right. Um, and so it goes on to say uh, there, um, vain, through philosophy and vain deceit. It might just be, it might sound great, but it might be empty and deceitful. After the tradition of men. Now, how are we going to know what is mere tradition of men? Well, if those things are are verbalized, are explained. Now, is, is, is man's philosophy necessarily... Uh, okay, put it this way. A philosophy that is articulated by a human being, is it necessarily wrong? No. But unless it's God's word, I mean, basically reading you know, God's word and saying, this is my philosophy, it's not what is settled in heaven. It might be based on what is settled in heaven, Right? But that does two different things. Um, it's tradition. Our family has traditions. You know, our church has some traditions. Are those necessarily wrong? No. But if traditions are articulated as if they're settled in heaven, then that's, that's a problem. <laughs> because man's traditions are not settled in heaven. God's word is. God's word is settled in heaven. In fact, um, uh, Jesus warned uh, very specifically about not discerning the difference between those things. And we'll, we'll look a little more about that in the realm of discipleship. How it's so important that in discipleship in our families and in our churches that it be, it, it, that it be based upon that which is forever settled, the Word of God. So... This is one of the verses we'll look at a little further, but um, it says, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. You say, well, that's talking about Christ, not God's Word. Well, Christ is called the Word. He is the living Word. There's nothing about Christ that doesn't represent the heart of God, the Word of God. He is the living Word. He is the living manifestation of God's Word. That's what the Bible teaches, right? Uh, so, some things that are not settled in heaven... Man's traditions, even though they may be okay and fine. Men's preferences. It, it, look, all of us have preferences. If we say that we don't have preferences, then, I mean, what, what are we, like a robot? Are we in a trance? Like, you know, what, what, how apathetic are you if you don't have preferences? We all have preferences. And that's fine. And it's fine even maybe for you to be able to articulate why you have your preferences. But my preferences and your preferences aren't settled in heaven. Unless you can say, I prefer what this verse says, and you read it, and then it's not really your preferences, it's God's word. <laughs> it has nothing to do with your preference, right? Generally speaking, my preferences are ways that I may apply God's word, but that might not be distinctly mentioned or articulated by God himself. And so, those things aren't settled in heaven. Um, 
words about the words, like commentaries. You know, those aren't settled in heaven. A lot of times in commentaries you have, which I, I respect and I admire, you have the best efforts of, of, a, of a biblical student to break down passages and to, um, and to explain what those are saying. Um, and to give commentary on them. But a book about the book is not what's settled in heaven. It's the book that's settled in heaven, right? And so, you know, I just take all those things. I take man's traditions, man's preferences, man's words about the word, uh, man's philosophies, man's theory. I take all of those with a grain of salt. I don't, I don't look to those as, as authority like I do when I study God's word. I might listen and I might, you know, say, yeah, I think that, that's probably good. That's, that's a good idea. You know, I might even say, I think it's wonderful you, you have that tradition. I might even adopt that tradition myself. But I'm not going to pressure anybody into having to adhere to my traditions, my preferences, my philosophies, or my theories. Because if I do that, I've tried to make something settled in my realm of influence that is, takes the place of that which is only settled in heaven. And so it's a very sobering thing, and, and, and it's, uh, you know, it really it comes to bear, I think, the most uh, strongly with, with, with teachers of God's Word, teachers and preachers, because that's a huge responsibility. And the, and the Bible says that. And, uh, and, and so um, if you have influence with the Word of God, if you have influence with the Word of God, then stick to the authority of God's word primarily. And if something is a tradition, a preference, a philosophy, or a theory that's secondary, it's what you think about it or the application of it, then just be honest about that. Because I'll tell you what, and you're probably in the same boat I'm in. You know, I've been around Christianity all my life, and many of you have been around Christianity a long time as well. And there's no end to the plethora of preferences and applications and even what some might call discrepancies of thought in Christianity today. And we'll talk more about this Sunday night, but it's, it's uh, you know, I think some of it is kind of the luxury that we've had in America of just being able to have great access to God's Word for a long time. And so we've thought a lot. <laughs> and it's great to meditate on God's Word. It's great to ponder and to study and to think. But sometimes we start to think and overthink beyond what is simply taught. And we start to come up with a lot of ideas that are simply not articulated clearly in the Bible. So what is settled in the Bible? God's Word is settled in the Bible. And it says here, Forever, O Lord, thy Word is settled in heaven. And so God's Word, it's debated on earth. There's no question about it. God's Word is debated on earth, but it's settled in heaven. In other words, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's completely, 100% inconsequential how much God's word is debated on earth. Because you're talking about that which is just like this little 
speck and flash of time within the grand scheme of eternity past and eternity future, in which you have these little created beings that think that somehow they're going to be able to, to debate and, and, and hash out what is true and what isn't, right? And apart from God's word, mankind will always fail miserably because we have limited perspective. And God is the source of all wisdom and knowledge, ultimately, and of truth. And so, has, is God's word, has God's word, does God's word continue to be debated on earth? Certainly. But we can proceed confidently that it's settled in heaven. It's a settled thing. Let's take it further. God's word is rejected on earth. What is the, the main ministry of the Holy Spirit? It's to convince people of the truth of God's word, right? And the Bible teaches very clearly that man has the capacity of rejecting the ministry of the Holy Spirit, of even rejecting God's word, where God's word will come and it will, it will, it will, it will convince, it will convict, it will bring light, it will bring truth to bear. And man kind because they are willful and they have this capacity can just reject that can just reject that well god's word may be rejected on earth but it's settled in heaven it doesn't that doesn't change the fact like god god's not desperate you know to somehow convince enough people to validate his word right if i can just get enough people on my side then maybe you know that'll really uh, validate that, that what I'm telling them is the truth. It's inconsequential. has no bearing on it. God's word is 100% intact and authoritative in a court that's way beyond any Supreme Court that we may look to here on earth. Do you know that our Supreme Court in America, it's a, it's a powerful entity, as, you know, relatively speaking, um, but it could be dissolved pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, if we were to be overtaken by another, you know, power, um, our Constitution could be dissolved overnight and our Supreme Court would be like Confederate money. Right? Um, but the Supreme Court, <laughs> the heavenly Supreme Court, the Supreme Judge presiding, his word is settled. It doesn't matter if it's accepted or rejected. Now, God's word may be neglected, and that's, that's different than rejected. I mean, there are those who would say, hey, look, if you were to pin them down on it, do you believe the Bible is God's word? And God, uh, This isn't a message about proving to you why you know, I believe God's word, that this, the Bible is God's word. Um, there's, there's, it's a book like none other, and there's ample proof of it and beyond. But... Uh, I'll just say this, there are many people that, are, that would verbally assent to that, and they, they uh, would say, intellectually, they would say, yes, I believe that, that, that the Bible is God's word. But then they live as if it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with their lives. In other words, they may not reject it right out, but they, what? They neglect it. Now look, I, you know, I may be neglecting God's word, you may be neglecting God's word, Many people may be neglecting God's word, but that does not change the fact, you know, his word may be neglected, but it's settled in heaven. 
Some ridicule God's word. I mean, if there's, I don't know, if there's one book that's been made fun of more than others, it's like so polarizing, right? It's either, it's either revered like no other book, or it's ridiculed, right? And, and, and the Bible has been ridiculed, the, I think probably more than all the books that have ever been, you know, put out there combined. But it doesn't matter. You know, God, <laughs> he's not thin-skinned. He's like, oh, no, they're making fun of my word, you know. I'm going to get all bent out of shape about that. God's not worried about it. It's settled. It's true. His word is supreme. It will stand the test not only of time, but it transcends that because it's, it was settled eternally, eternity past and, and it will be uh, into the future. Um, God's word may be misunderstood on earth, but it's settled in heaven. And so, with that, I would just like to encourage us to do this. Have I ever misunderstood parts of the Bible? Sure. What do we need to do? We need to appeal to heaven <laughs> to say, God, would you teach me that which is settled in heaven? Would you settle in my heart? that which is true in your heart, that which really comes from your mind, the, to the, from the mind of God to the mind of the humans who are worshiping him and wanting to know about, more about him. If any man lack wisdom, right? What's wisdom, really? It's the thoughts of God. God wants to help us with that. But so many times we're spending so much time and energy trying to figure it out for ourselves and putting the spin that we want to put spin on, on it or whatever the case may be in our approach to God's word that we forget that just that, that, that simple thing of saying, look, if this is settled in heaven, you know, I'm sure that, that it's, 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 it's way beyond me. God, would you help me to understand your word and to be true to it and to be loyal to it and to... Not debate it if, it if it's there. To certainly not reject it. And why would we ever want to neglect it? Um, so there's, there's, it's great to be able to have the authority of God's word as a center of the church. Really, it's an exercise of futility um, to try to have a church without it, isn't it? And so we'll always major on that. How many, how many messages would be too many in a year, you know, to, <laughs> to emphasize the authority of God's Word? Um, but, you know, then when we're not speaking directly about that, we want to speak out of that, um, out of the authority of God's Word. So, uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you that 